You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's always great to be back in the studio, and I'm thrilled to have with me a local woman who is uh, just outside of Philadelphia. Her name is Lori Shemtop, and Lori is partner with Shemtop, Dragonoski, and Taylor, um, a family law firm here um, just outside of Philadelphia. And she'll be joining me in just a moment. Be sure to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors, bringing you all kinds of great information and insights around your health, finance, technology, and business. And to stay in the loop on all things Women to Watch, be sure to visit us at womentowatch.net and subscribe to our newsletter. You can pick up the podcast there and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. That's womentowatch.net women the number two watch.net net so now i'm thrilled to welcome to the show Lori shemtob Lori, thanks so much for coming in and thank you for having me i'm very happy to have you with me across the table and and not by phone i was very excited to hear you were able to make the trek in um, to our studios and i wanted to um as i always do give the listeners a little bit of background about you and and where you grew up and where you came from and I understand you uh, grew up in Massachusetts. I did. One of three. Yes, one of three. Um, and I'll say that the work ethic of your dad um, seemed to have a, a big influence on you growing up. So I wonder if you could just talk about him and, and what he did. Sure. My dad was Joe Kessler, and he was a butcher. He, um, he was an amazing athlete and actually probably could have played pro ball, as he told me many times, but needed to support the family. 
Um, so he became a butcher, and he had a store in Haymarket Square in Boston. I don't know if you know that area. It's where Faneuil Hall is. It sounds like, oh, okay. It's yeah. where Faneuil Hall is now. Okay. And he had a meat market. So there were a bunch of meat markets lined up, and then across from the meat markets were um, stands. So there was pushcart stands, you know, candy stands and vegetable stands and fruit stands. And he worked really hard. I mean, he would leave every day early in the morning, do his buying, go to the store. The store was covered, you know, just picture an old time butcher shop with sawdust on the floor and a big freezer in the back that was freezing with the hams and the meats all hanging from from hooks. And that's what he did. And then his big days were Saturday, Friday and Saturday, where he would leave, you know, 430 in the morning, four o'clock in the morning and get home at midnight and then turn around and do it all over again. Wow. Wow. So he worked really hard. Yet long hours, long days. And I know that you as a kid and probably your siblings helped out sometimes there. Oh, my gosh. Of course. So yeah. were you going in at 430 in the morning? <laughs> no, I would okay. go in on Friday nights, when I was old enough to drive, I could drive Friday nights and I would cashier, which was fun. Um, And then Saturday, my mom would cashier and my sister and I and my brother would go in and we would work. We would sell things. You know, I would sell chicken and ham and um, eggs and ground beef. Um, He would never let me touch the saw. My brother was allowed to cut meat uh, and cut, you know... um, lamb chops and whatever, using the saw, but I was a girl. So of course I wasn't allowed to do that. Uh, but I did, I worked there. I worked there for years at hmm. the, uh, at the butcher shop. And then I worked at Friendly's as a, um, you know, as a Friendly's waitress. So I would work for my father on um, Saturdays and then I would work fr- Friday nights at Friendly's and Sundays at Friendly's. Okay. That, you know, grow, as you're describing that, it, it reminds me a little bit about my own upbringing and just going to the butcher shop. <laughs> Back in the day, back in the 70s. And, right. you know, everybody knew everybody that was standing in there. Um, That's how it was. Yeah. That's how it was. Do you, would you describe your upbringing as a little bit old-fashioned? Old-fashioned in the sense that, you know, boys did one thing, girls did another pretty much. Although they were encouraging. My parents were encouraging. And my brother, who was a year and a half older than me, was very, very smart. I mean, he was just a brilliant guy. And um, I always wanted to be like him. And I was not good in math. And I remember the teacher, Mr. Peabody, um, comparing me and saying, in front of the class, you're not as smart as your brother. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I remember my mom going into the school and saying, don't you compare her to Ernie. She's her own person yeah. and she's smart in what she knows. Wow. Uh, but I always strive to do better mm-hmm. because he was so smart. Mm. He went to Dartmouth. He was, a, he was just a really, really smart guy. Yeah. Tell me what, you know, when you think back on your high school years, I know that initially your aspirations were to go into communications. You wanted to be in television and, and be a reporter. I did. Um, and obviously that, that changed later on. But, you know, in high school, what kinds of activities were you involved in? And, and uh, did you play sports? No, I (laughs) I did not play sports. I didn't get interested in sports and athletics and exercise until I was an adult. In high school, I was just more into having fun and hanging out with the boys and girls and working. Um, That's really what I did. I wasn't involved that much in school, in school extracurricular things. Okay. That didn't start until college. Okay. And in college, I became a communications major and I worked for the radio station um, delivering news a couple of times a week for the college radio station. Okay. And, but I really wanted to do television. So in my junior year, I got an internship at WTVJ in Florida. And I went to Florida and I 
thought that I would, you know, I would follow around the reporters. I, I worked with a crime reporter and followed him around and was an intern. And for some reason, I don't know why, the management thought that I knew what I was doing with regard to photography and being able to shoot film because I was friendly with all the camera people. So here I am, like 21 years old or 20 years old, and they offered me a job as a camera person for a CBS affiliate. And I'm thinking, why not? I'll drop out of college and I'll be a photographer and that will get be my entree into being a reporter. So I did. I said, I'm not going back to school and I will be a camera person. I had no idea how to even load the film. <laughs> how did mom camera. and dad feel about that decision? They said, okay. Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay. I, wow. I, I was shocked. They didn't say no. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to stay here. And I, I mean, this happened a month after I was there. And I started um, being a photographer. Well, they quickly learned and I quickly learned that I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> uh, it was fun. I went on I went on police raids. I was on helicopters taking pictures of oil spills. Wow. I w- was in a burning building once taking, you know, shots of, of that. So it was fun, but quickly learned that it was not for me and went back to school. Yeah. That's amazing to me that, you know, you jumped into something really not being trained or having the experience and said, I'll give it a shot. I was young. Yeah. 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 I didn't know. Listen, we're going to go into our first break. When we come back, I want to talk about um, your dad again and and share with the listeners a kind of a pivotal moment in your life regarding him. Stay with us for Dawn's Ear of Nutrisystem for our CEO Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, CEO Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier, here with today's CEO Watch. Today's topic will center on the role of a company's board of directors. Having just recently attended a course at Harvard Business School on making corporate boards more effective, the takeaways were plenty. Of course, when looking at the checklist of board duties, CEO succession, strategic oversight, risk management, and governance are all board priorities. However, today, board engagement should go much deeper. Gone are the days when being on a public company board meant showing up for four meetings a year. While some boards remain relatively passive, today's high-functioning boards are much more engaged with management and are thought partners and resources for the leadership team. Of course, there's a clear demarcation line between the role of management and the role of the board, and having sat on both sides of the table in the boardroom, as the CEO of Nutrisystem, and as a director of Haines Celestial and Spirit Airlines, I do my best to respect those boundaries. With that being said, I think the number one thing the board can do to be effective is to ask the right questions. The board's responsibility is not to provide management with the answers. It is to ask management the right questions and to probe deeply in the areas of value creation and risk management. One of the common themes from pouring over a lot of case studies that highlighted situations where companies got into trouble was that the board did not ask the right questions or have the right escalation procedures in place. In this day and age, where companies are getting derailed because they don't have appropriate ERM procedures in place, this has to be a top focus of the board. Finally, creating a board management dynamic that encourages transparency is critical. The board can be an incredible resource for the CEO and the management team. Often, the most important conversations are the ones that take place outside of the boardroom. When management taps into a board member for their expertise on a certain topic or to their network. This is Dawn Zier for CEO Watch. Thanks. Have a great week. 
Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. If you're just tuning in, I'm having a conversation with Lori Shemtob, partner with Shemtob, Draganowski, and Taylor Law Firm here um, in the Philadelphia area. It's a family law practice. And uh, interestingly enough, the first uh, part of the show, we were learning that Lori actually wanted to be in media and on television and spent a little time as a reporter. Um, I wanted to go to uh, a time that was really difficult for you and your family um, in your life when your dad passed away and he was way too young. And um, I read that it was uh, extremely hard for your mom. And I wanted to ask you what you kind of remember most about that time and, and how your mom dealt with that. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it was very, very sad. He was 57 years old. I had gotten married in May, went on my honeymoon and came home to the day I came home from my honeymoon, my mom and dad getting on the phone with me. I was living in Colorado at the time saying that he had cancer and he died within three months. It was very hard because none of us were home. None of us were near my mom. I lived in Colorado. My sister lived in California and my brother lived in Washington, D.C. So she was pretty much alone. A few months later, my my sister and her now husband, who was her boyfriend then, moved to Massachusetts so they could be close by for a while. But she is a very, very strong woman, my mom. And she was devastated. I mean, she used to say to me, it's a couple's world. What am I going to do? You know, Mm -hmm. she was 54 years old. She was really young. And um, she really was amazing. She learned to play bridge. And she, she just focused her entire life into bridge. And she would play bridge, you know, every morning and every night. And it kept her busy so she didn't have to be in the big house by herself, you know, empty house. And she did that for years. And then a few years later, she decided to get a job because she wasn't working at my dad's store anymore. And she was a bookkeeper. She was very smart. And she became a bookkeeper for the Jewish Journal. And she had a couple different jobs, but she was at the Jewish Journal for the longest period of time. Um, And then continued playing bridge until she became a life master. And anybody listening knows that being that if, if you're a bridge player, being a life master is a big deal. It really is. And she did that. Um, and she she was great. She did um, about uh, maybe 15 years after my dad died, she remarried. Um, so she had a nice life for the last oh, 20 good. years. And yeah. unfortunately, she passed about four months ago. Mm, I'm so sorry. But thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. But she did have a nice life the last 20 years. And, you know, but it was very hard. But she was a strong woman. She, yeah. She's very strong. I Do you see some of yourself in your mom? I do. That resilience piece? Yeah, some of it. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. She was... Um, you know, she made things happen. So yeah. that was good. Yeah. Um, let's go back for a minute, um, because I really want to know if you recall the moment you decided you wanted to go to law school. Having, oh, yes. You know, it been in a completely different field. What was it that spurred that interest? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was um, in 
pharmaceutical sales. So I didn't get to into into uh, being a television reporter, even though I walked in and asked them for a job. They wouldn't give it to me. Um, but I so I was in pharmaceutical sales and I was going to business school at night and I was only going because my company was paying for it and I could take the courses that I thought were interesting and I was kind of a school nerd. But then I met my, who's now my husband, and he was in law school. He was finishing up. And he said, why are you learning statistics and economics when you could go to law school? And I said, I, I don't know. And he said, go to law school instead. So I applied to law school. <laughs> he said, you don't have to know anything if you go to law school. You just go to law Is I your said, husband an attorney? He is. He's okay. a lawyer, too. Okay. So I said, okay. And I applied to law school. So I got in. I went to law school at night, and I worked during the day. That's hard. It was hard. That's hard. I went to the New England School of Law. Mm-hmm. It was a night school in Boston. There were only two night schools in Boston. And he had gone to night school. He had just finished when I started. He went to Suffolk. And he really was my inspiration to become a lawyer. And I never knew I wanted to practice. I knew I just wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to go to law school because I thought it would be so interesting. And at that time, I'm assuming you didn't know what area of law because there's so many areas you can study. I had no idea. Yeah. I just wanted to go to law school. So I went to New England School of Law for a year, mm-hmm. and then my husband's, what, his position got transferred out to Colorado. So I took a year off from law school, and I moved to Colorado with him, and then went to the University of Denver for a year. Okay. At night also, I worked for another pharmaceutical company, went to school at night, and then he had an opportunity, and then my dad passed, and you know we both wanted to get back east, and he had an opportunity in Philadelphia, and okay. he said, let's move. And I said, I have one more year of school. I need to finish. He said, I'm going to lose this opportunity. So I applied to yet a third law school. Temple. Temple. Mm -hmm. And that's where I I ended up. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. It was a great school, great education, made some wonderful friends. When you switch um, to three different schools, do you lose credits? Do you go backwards? How does that work? Good question. Yeah, I lost all of Denver. They didn't take any. Temple didn't accept any of Denver credits. Wow. So I started... And, and I decided I would go full-time at that point. I wasn't going to go nights anymore. I okay. needed to get through. Yeah. Um, so I went full-time day, and I had two full years to go. And then when I only had another six months to go, I got pregnant with my first child. Okay. And I had to be in bed for eight months of my pregnancy. Wow. So I had to take another semester off from school okay. and lay in bed while I was pregnant. Wow. And then I had Jennifer, and then I had to finish law school and then study for the bar exam. and So you've done a lot of pivoting, right? Yeah, it took me six years to get through law school. Wow. The and normal is three. Were you, was your mindset, you know, okay, we'll just, you know, if this is how long it has to take or, you know, I guess, are you patient by nature? No, I am not patient at all by nature. So, it, it just didn't really phase me. It just, this is what I was doing. I was in I school. To do. I loved going to school. Did- I could go back tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah, I loved going to school. So it was fine. I didn't mind taking an extra year's worth of courses. It just meant I had more courses that I could take. Yeah. So and courses, you know, so I just went back and and finished and then took the bar exam and then decided I was going to go practice law. What was the ratio? Do you recall uh, men and women in your in your class at that time? You know, I don't oh, recall. Wait. It was in 1980. I graduated in January of 87, but okay. I, I thought of myself as the class of 86. Um, I think it was pretty even. Yeah. I, I, I don't really, it wasn't an issue. Okay. It, it definitely was not an issue at the time. Yeah. What was an issue is that I wanted to not go to class and tape the classes and be able to sit for the exams while I was laying in bed all those months and they wouldn't allow it. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had to be there. Listen, when we come back, um, I want to talk about a mentor of yours. Uh, Stay with us for Dr. Marianne Ritchie for your health watch and Terry and Maggie for finance. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Health watch. For health watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Last November, I talked about the dangers of vaping. Electronic cigarettes, originally designed to help adults quit smoking traditional cigarettes, but lack of evidence, still not FDA approved. National surveys show a marked rise in vaping in adolescents in the past decade. The appeal? It's a techno gadget, like a flash drive, easy to hide at school from parents. 7,000 flavors add appeal. Most have nicotine, a stimulant that also enhances flavor. Bad combination that increases a risk for nicotine addiction. Know this. Users, especially kids, think no cigarette smoke, it's harmless. Wrong. Medical experts say nicotine can damage the developing brain, impair memory and learning. Surgeon General also warns about mood disorders and lower impulse control. Strong addiction can come quickly, and some turn to regular smoking. Plus, e-cigarettes can be used to deliver drugs like marijuana in high concentrations. Users also inhale other toxins deep into the lungs. Diacetyl causes serious lung disease. Benzene, as in car exhaust, nickel, tin, and lead, more harmful when heated, may increase cancer risk. And some flavors can damage your white blood cells. And what about kids exposed to secondhand vape? More asthma attacks. Just posted on the CDC website this week, 380 cases of severe lung disease in 36 states and six deaths. All were vaping, many with nicotine and THC, some just nicotine. They get a pneumonia with fat droplets in the lungs from inhaling oil. Not an infection, no help with antibiotics. Many samples have high levels of vitamin E, which people add to THC to make a vapor. Symptoms, cough, short of breath, chest pain, maybe GI symptoms. Health officials are urging people, avoid vaping till we investigate. Visit the CDC website for more info. Divas, protect your families. Don't let your loved ones go up in smoke. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth and you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch, Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie. And this is Terry. And we're from Fortis Wealth. Our chief investment officer at Fortis Wealth, Matt Topley, provides regular observations and commentary about the U.S. economy and the stock market. Here are some of his most recent comments. Yes, the U.S. economy is in the midst of its longest expansion on record, but some other milestones are being surpassed that could change the the dynamic of this market. Take interest rates. The U.S. yield curve has inverted for the first time since 2007. Again, an inverted yield curve means investors are being paid more for holding very short-term debt than they are for holding long-term debt. It's counterintuitive, and it usually means investors are very nervous about the future. 
Matt also observed, everyone is talking about the end of the long-running bull market in U.S. equities. But in the second quarter of 2019, the most crowded trade in the world became U.S. treasuries. Even though rates are abnormally low, the Fed Fund's futures market is now signaling a 100% chance that the central bank could ease its monetary policy next month. Historically, when equity bull markets end, money pours almost exclusively into stocks. But today we have seen government bonds beat tech stocks at the most crowded trade in the market, and bond ETF assets have doubled over the past year alone. After being historically bullish about stock pullbacks and that the end of 2018 was a buying opportunity, not the start of a recession, we believe we are currently in a more precarious situation. The inverted yield curve should not be ignored, and our economy appears to be running out of qualified workers as the jobless rate settles below 4%. Amazingly, we have not experienced inflation despite such a historically low unemployment rate, so the stock market continues to rise. Sure, stocks are on the pricey side, but we don't believe it means the market is on the brink of crashing. We wouldn't consider this to be a bubble when you consider how low interest rates and low inflation are. Now is not the time to give up on a diversified portfolio. The S&P is expensive versus other options, and we should temper our expectations for equity returns over the next half decade as stocks will likely face new headwinds. So have a plan and stick to it. Remember, investing is a psychology game, not an IQ game. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. You're listening to Women to Watch. And I have with me in the studio this evening, Lori Shemtob, who's an attorney, a family uh, law attorney uh, just outside of Philadelphia. And uh, I always love asking about people in our lives that... Um, believed in us and you know we're grateful to them for that and uh, I understand one of your mentors was Susan Gantman who became a, a Pennsylvania Superior Court judge tell me about how she influenced your career all right first of all Susan is an amazing amazing person um, I had met Susan once bef- when I was working for another firm I was young in my career um, and I had met her one time and then I got pregnant with my second child Brandon and again had to be off my feet and in bed for seven or eight months and so I didn't practice. And, and while I was thinking about, should I go back to work? I thought, I think I want to do family law. And after I had Brandon, I walked into her office and, you know, we didn't have internet th- those days. We didn't have cell phones. I just walked and knocked on the door and said, um, is Susan available to see me? And she said, oh, Lori, hi. Like, like she knew me. Anyway, I sat down with her. She was so gracious. And I said, I'd like to work part time. I have two little kids at home. I'd like to learn family law. And you are the best. And I want to learn from you. Would you hire me? Would you give me a shot three days a week? And she thought about it. And she said, let me think about it. And she called me back and she hired me Mm. three days a week. She had never had an associate. She was a solo practitioner. And she taught me so much. We would go into her office and she would explain the law to me. And she threw me into court immediately, um, told me what to do, how to say things, how to act. And I used to watch her. Sometimes if I had questions, I'd go into her office and she'd be sitting there, you know, on the phone. She was so busy. Um, And I would just watch her and listen to her. And I realized that you can be a lawyer by being yourself. You don't have to put on a fake front. Mm. And that's how she was. She was just herself. And I thought, wow. And I actually throw people off by that. Like, I'll meet people and be friendly to them. Like, the other side didn't do anything to me. And that's what she said to me. She goes, you didn't marry this person. This person didn't do anything to you. You don't have to hate them. You have to advocate, but you don't have to hate somebody 
because it's not your fight, yeah. that relationship. She was a wonderful mentor. And she and, and the two of us, we, we worked together for several years. And then we joined a firm called Sure Joffe Zuckerman uh, together. And then I became a partner there at Sure Joffe. And then together we joined Cozen O'Connor. And okay. I was a partner at Cozen. And then after a short time, I decided I wanted to go on my own. And she was happy to stay there. So we, I left and I went out on my own about 20 years ago. And then she shortly thereafter became a superior court judge. Okay. And she was actually pres- superior, president judge of the superior court. She's, she's a wonderful person, smart, articulate, intelligent, and a great mentor. And herself. I think that's such great advice. Um, we talk sometimes on the show about um, women trying to be like men in certain industries that are, that are male-dominated, when actually our power is being who we are. Right. One hundred percent correct. Yeah. And just that, be yourself. And be you yourself. can't you can't adopt somebody else's way of being. So I happen to have a personality more like Susan's in terms of outgoing, friendly, that type of personality. Not everybody does. But I watched some other lawyers and I didn't want you. Don't, you can't copy somebody else's style. Mm. You have to have your own style. Right. And that's when you're successful. Right. Because people so. trust you then they're, they're comfortable with you. Um, so you're an attorney that focuses exclusively on divorce, custody, and prenuptial agreements? Sure. Is anything, that right? Anything to do with family law. So divorce, the division of assets, um, support, child support and alimony, custody, prenuptial agreements. Yeah. yeah. So that can be uh, a tricky environment. That can be emotional. It is. Um I don't want to say, but you love your work. So I I wanted to ask you, what inspires you most about the work you get to do when you're working with families and people that are going through some very, very difficult times? So I always felt that family law was so people-oriented that I could make a difference in people's lives. I could help them navigate through this horrible time in their life. Um, I don't adopt it as it's mine, so I don't go home every night and feel like it's my, my problem. Even though I live their life, I live what's going on, I'm able to separate that. Just like a doctor, I think, has to separate, you know, giving a bad diagnosis with their own life. So I'm able to do that. But I feel that it's so powerful to be able to meet with people and help guide them through such a difficult time and then see them later and how they have done so well with their lives because things always get better. I always tell them it will get better. I see them at the worst time. But it gets better yeah, later. Yeah, and you see them later. I do. Yeah, you I ha- do. Yeah, you know And they, they always, thank you so much. You were right. Um, you know, some of them are so scared, especially some women who hadn't worked before. And they're so scared about going back into the workplace. And they're so afraid of failing. And I always say, the failure is not in liking it or not doing well. The failure is in not trying. So take the leap. Try. If you don't like it, that's not a failure. You tried. Right. Eliminating and what's not working. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I just I I'm, I'm so happy with what I do. And I'm so lucky and blessed that I have this firm, you know, that that we built 20. I started 20 years ago and it was always Shemtob Law. And to, uh, about a year ago, two of my partners, we changed our name to Shemtob Dragonoski Taylor. OK. And tell me what it was uh, that made you decide to not just be the solo attorney at the firm, why did you decide to partner with with two others? Well, they were already with me. So I have, um, there's six lawyers in our firm and they were already partners in the firm. Um, And I just thought it was time to make them named partners because they deserved it. They both work hard. They both bring in clients. Um, 
and I just thought that it was time yeah. to, to give them that, um, you know, give that, that to them to make it a named them named partners. Okay. And they deserve it. And they're great. Yeah. And we have three others. I have another partner, Cynthia Stein, um, who is one of my partners also. And then we have two associates, Jen Ryan and Jordan Gregro. Okay. Um, we're going to take one last break. When we come back, I want to talk about you're a uh, professor at Drexel as well. Yes. Yeah. And I'd love to just find out about these millennial kids okay. that are in law school. Stay with us for Mary Manzo for your Tech Watch. And we'll be right back with Lori Shemtop. This is the Women to Watch. Diversity Watch. Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all. This is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. If only there is a physical shield for people to wear that can prevent them from being sad or being fearful. If only that shield is real. For Muslims, that shield is their piety. In other words, to be seen doing exactly what we should be doing in a specific moment. The religion of Islam is full of descriptive details on acts of worship that we could be doing at any given moment mostly inspired by the detailed and documented life of Prophet Muhammad. Observing God is doing those acts on our own will and without being asked. This is called piety. There's a description in the Quran for pious people, mostly those who fear nothing and are never sad. We are usually saddened by something that happened to us in the past and afraid of something that will take place in the future. This category of believers are referred to as the friends of God or allies of God. They are not sad over the past nor worried about the future. They are people who live the present in its full capacity and observe what's being demanded of them in that very moment. Piety is today's prophetic ethic, my friends. It's a state of observance, servitude, and consequently gratitude that dedicated believers choose, live, and enjoy. Quote, Verily, the most honorable among you in the eyes of God is the most righteous among you. End quote. The verse in chapter 49 in the Quran describes them among the people having the highest moral values. A great Muslim scholar once said, piety is over here, pointing to his chest, and repeated that three times for its importance. When piety is in the heart, it becomes no one's right to judge. We are all equal and should treat each other as so. Until then, don't forget to connect with me at hanadispeaksup.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Do you have or know a college freshman and you're looking for some great technology gadgets for their first year? I did a little research and here's some ideas. Noise in the dorm can be loud and distracting. Minimizing the noise is essential, especially when you're trying to focus on studies. There are many earbuds that provide noise-canceling features, brands like Bose and Jabra. They have combination earbuds and have a wide range of pricing. Check out Best Buy for options. Does your student's dorm include a basic cable package and maybe they just want more? The Roku, Amazon Fire Stick, or Google Chromecast are great options to stream Netflix, Hulu, HBO, and other great channels. Some have a monthly subscription, while others are annual. Pricing ranges depending on what you want. Check them out on Amazon. 
Although Google Drive and Dropbox are great options to store documents and media, it's equally important to back up on an external hard drive. Spilling a drink is an easy way to kill a laptop, so backing information up on a hard drive daily is extremely important. Seagate Backup Plus is less than $80 for two terabytes. Many college students have come to know ramen noodles. The Live and Electric Hot Pot can take those ramen noodles to a whole new level just by adding vegetables or meat. It's an inexpensive way of delivering a new and improved way to eat ramen. Studying in the dorm can be tough when pulling a late night and your roommate would like to get some sleep. The Teotronics LED desk lamp is small and efficient. It will add just enough lighting to the desktop without interfering with the sleep of roommates. The charging backpack is a great worry-free way of charging devices in between classes, and it helps alleviate the fear of a dying battery. Amazon has many varieties and a wide range of pricing. Things to look for, how accessible is the charging port, weight of the backpack, and how much of a charge does the charger provide. And last but not least, a heated or cooling travel mug with USB port. Amazon has tons to choose from. Being a college freshman is a huge adjustment, so a little gift can go a long way. For more gift ideas, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm having a conversation this evening with Lori Shemtov, partner with Shemtov, Dragonoski, and Taylor. And um, one of the things I always like to ask women who really have achieved a certain level of success is what do they believe it is about themselves that has helped them to do that. So in your situation, you're often dealing with high stake custody uh, battles or um, and do you have a strategy, a mantra, a philosophy? What is it that you believe has allowed you to be the go to attorney for these situations? So I think for whether whether it's custody or high stakes financial dollars involved, I think it's my preparation. I prepare so much that I think I know their life and their case better than they do. I ask for information. I require them to be their own, um, do their own homework to get me information that they might not have thought of. I ask them to write it up in a narrative so that I have it in front of me. I prepare. I prepare them. Um, so I really put the time and the effort in, and everybody in our firm does, because I think that's the only way. You can't just do this by the seat of your pants. Mm. you got to know it. And when you're prepared, you're confident. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But your heart's still racing. Every time you walk into a courtroom, your heart is still racing until you get started. Yeah. And I always say to the younger people that I mentor, that's good. It's good to have your heart race and to feel that jitter. Because yeah, after 30 exciting. years, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then once you start, the jitter goes away. But until you walk in and you open up your mouth, you got that jitter. Yeah. Now, so you mentioned um, kids and, and mentoring. Um, you were an adjunct professor at Drexel. I am. Which is where my, well, my son didn't go to law school, but okay. he graduated from Drexel. Um, tell me about these kids and, and maybe what surprises you most about them, the ones that you're teaching. So I teach a course on um, Pennsylvania family law practice, and I keep it to 12 or 14 students. Uh, and it's a very basic, um, hands-on kind of a course. I will tell you, these kids love it, and they work hard, and they take it seriously. And I think that, um, especially at this law school, it's very um, hands-on for everything that they do there. They, they have internships and externships. And I think these kids really care, and they really want get, to get better and do well. So I'm not finding, you know, that that kids don't want to work hard, that they don't want to put in the effort. They're not, not entitled finding, millennials. That... I'm not finding that. <laughs> I am not finding that. I'm finding hardworking, good kids. That's fantastic. As a matter of fact, um, 
one of my associates now, Jen Ryan, was my very first student. Oh, wow. She was a great student. I hired her. A second one that was my student last year, who is now what's called a 3L. She's going into her third year. Uh, Emily, we just offered her a job. So when she finishes this year at Drexel, she will become an associate at our firm. That's awesome. Yeah. She's what, a hard worker. What is the environment like today for kids getting out and finding jobs? Is it tough? Is it, you know, you know easier I than... I, no, I think it's tough. Yeah. I think it's still tough yeah. to get a job. Um, I wanted to share a quote um, because your husband is, is a huge supporter of you. And um, I love that he said to you, life is not a rear view mirror. So make a decision and move forward. Yeah. Uh, when I read that, I guess the first thing I thought was, do, do you have any regret? Do you, do you look back? Are you someone that says, gosh, I wish I had done that? Or do you live by his mantra? I pretty much live by that mantra. I do. I mean, you can't look back and you can't do all the what ifs. You just move forward. And it was really, he said that to me when I was deciding when I had asked Susan Gantman for the job and somebody else had already offered me a job. And he said to me, what do you want to do? Who do you want to work for? And I said, Susan. And he goes, that's it. Stop looking back. Stop questioning yourself. Throw away the rearview mirror. Life isn't all about a rearview mirror and move on. And don't ever look back. Yeah. And he's so right. Yeah. It's great advice. It's hard yeah. sometimes, I think. It's human nature to to think, gosh, I wish I had done that differently. But in the end, if you're focused on the future, you're moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I want to mention you're a mother as well. You have two children. I do. Uh, tell me about them and what they're doing. So I have two amazing kids. Uh, Jennifer is a second grade teacher at Lower Marion. She's got a master's degree. She's got all kinds of extra certifications. And uh, she teaches second grade. And now she has, as an entrepreneur also, she started a business called Teacher Time to Go, where she matches families with tutors and they're traveling. So they tutor travels to the person's home. So she's an entrepreneur. She's amazing. Uh, great. Great. She's, she's funny. She's smart. She's sensitive. She's all the good stuff. Um, then I have my son, Brandon, who is also an amazing, amazing uh, guy. He is uh, 30. He's a labor and employment lawyer at Stevens and Lee in Philadelphia. Uh, he just recently got married to Lainey about a year ago, and she's a lawyer for the Philadelphia School District. She's an assistant general counsel. They met at Boston College Law School. And um, so I'm very blessed. Um, Brandon, too, is smart, funny, handsome. I mean, all the good stuff, you know. <laughs> I hope like, they're listening. <laughs> they better, they better be, be listening. They better be listening. <laughs> but I'm really lucky. We have a great family. We have a wonderful family life, and it's all about family. And I think as a divorce lawyer... You really recognize, number one, you recognize what not to ever fight about. Like, it just isn't worth it. Yes. Gosh, we didn't even talk about that. I wanted to talk about the irony of, of the fact that you deal with divorce and you have a beautiful, happy, loving family and you've been with your husband how many years? 36 years. 36 years. 36 years, yeah. Yeah, there's a and lot of lessons there. There really are a lot of lessons because you realize that the things people fight about are just not worth it. You know, he likes the lights off, I like the lights on. We have like a light war in our house, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> he cares? shuts the light, I turn them on. And that's it. And then the last Usually one's... it's the heat, heat uh, fight. Right, you know, the right, women right. turn the heat up and then men turn the heat down. Right. We both like it freezing. So our house oh. is always freezing cold. <laughs> um, I just want to leave this uh, the end of the show with this one thing that so many people have said this about you. Lori never talks over people. She wants everyone in the room to understand and appreciate what's going on, but she's also shrewd and effective negotiator. And I thought, what a wonderful combination to be a good listener um, and gracious of other people's thoughts and time. But the word shrewd, 
you know, that means you're astute and you talked about being prepared. So I think that spoke volumes to me about why you're successful. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate your coming in here this evening and sharing your story with us. And I hope you'll stay in touch with the show. I would love to. I would love to. Thanks for having me. It was fun. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to my sponsors and advertisers for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.